At American University, we don't just hope for change, we create it. We don't just dream of a better world, we make it a reality. With a graduate degree from AU, you'll access expert faculty and connections throughout DC to develop skills and experience to turn your passion into purpose. And that purpose can make all the difference in your career. Discover the difference a degree makes at american.edu slash gradschool. Okay, well, that's the end of the first game of the day. Uh, Brazil beating Mexico 2-0. Much as we expected, really. It took them a long time to break Mexico down. They managed to get their first goal early on in the second half through Neymar, um, which then in turn forced the Mexicans to come out a little bit, play a little bit more, try to get an equaliser, which almost inevitably, you feel, resulted in a, well, very late goal from uh, Roberto Firmino, another Neymar assist there. Uh, so 2-0, Brazil progressing. Alex, is this, this is pretty much what we expected, right? And in fact, the game even panned out in, in the way that we imagined it would, didn't it? Yes, um, I think Mexico... Well, to be fair, you said Mexico would win. Well, I did say Mexico would win. But in your um, heart of hearts. In my heart of hearts, I knew that was never going to happen. Sure. Uh, I just... I just detest Neymar. I just hate him. <laughs> so I, it's a bad know, game for you then. I know this is not a a very kind of tactics-y, sensible podcast thing to say. No. But he's just an awful human being. Well, and I, I, well, we don't know him personally, but the impression he gives off, it does make it very hard to enjoy Brazil, which I personally find irritating because yeah. 20 years ago... 1998, that team that made it all the way to the final, uh, Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, with the exception of Rivaldo clutching his face when the ball hit him on the knee, that was quite annoying. Uh, but that team was a joy to watch, as have many Brazilian teams been uh, over the generations. This one, there's lots of players that I like. I like Gabriel Jesus, for example. I really like Roberto Firmino. He's one of my favourite players in the Premier League. I think it's very difficult not to enjoy watching Philippe Coutinho, for example. And also, we've talked loads about players like Fernandinho, and we've also talked about Casemiro at Real Madrid. They have a great squad of players, who many of whom are very likeable. However, and as you made the, the point, the, the caveat to this is that this isn't really something we would normally talk about on the podcast, but having just watched them beat Mexico, a team we very much liked watching, uh, and again, a team with the players who are very likeable, Having Neymar be the centre stage of it, it just makes it difficult to enjoy them, doesn't it? It's yeah, so petulant. It, it makes it impossible to enjoy them, from my perspective. And I think it's very sad because he's an undoubted talent, but this ridiculous, like consecutive roles that when Leon Leon didn't stamp on his ankle, he kind of trod on it potentially even by accident, mm. and Neymar reacted. Like he'd been electrocuted. Mm. I just, I think you're right. There's, He's there's been watching the Green Mile. <laughs> possibly. There's a lot otherwise to like about this Brazilian team. I, I, I think Williams great. Fernandinho's great. Um, I think the the two goalkeepers, Allison and Edison, are both very very good players. Mm. Um, it just. Like you say, it, it 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 sort of takes the gloss off it. Well, if we're going to talk, if we're going to talk about it though, let's put it in different terms. Is it is it fair to say that football, being a, a drama as it is, a big story, particularly at the World Cup, does it not need an arch villain like Neymar? Does that make our enjoyment of it uh, not enjoyment strictly, but, but the entertainment value greater? He's not. He's not an arch villain. He's like he's, he's like Joffrey, isn't he? Yeah. That's exactly what he's from, like. From Game of Thrones, by the way. If people don't watch Game of Thrones, listen to this. Joffrey 
is uh, well early on no spoilers the son of the king uh, but he's a very sort of petulant angry sadistic selfish self-absorbed does that make Casemiro the mountain? <laughs> Possibly. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't stand him. I mean, look, it, it's to return to what we really ought to be talking about. Um, Mexico made changes to tighten things up, um, which I can understand, but I do also feel restricted that joyous counter-attacking football that they, particular that, that they showed against Germany. Mm. Uh, Vela moved out to the left-hand side. Um, Lozano onto the right. Lozano onto the right-hand side, and Leon uh, was uh, dropped, although he came on as a substitute. Marquez came in as the kind of holding player, which allowed Guardado to, to move slightly further up the pitch. Um, but I think Guardado's best kind of pinging those long, raking passes from slightly deeper, Marquez was much more there to just kind of screen and... Mm disrupt Brazil's build-up around the edge of the box. Would you have been more adventurous then? I would have been more adventurous because I think I think this Brazilian side, particularly with Marcelo missing uh, because of his back injury, I think they're, they're weak at full-back. Mm. I think you can get at them there. And if there's a strength that Mexico showed in the games prior to this match, it was their ability to attack either that space in behind the fullback or the space between the fullback and their allied centre half. Mm. Well <clears throat> particularly with Lozano, but also Lyon stretching it on the right. Let, let's talk about Brazil because Mexico Mexico? Google I've interchanged Google and Mexico there, Baxter. But Google have Brazil setting up here in a four-four-two. I have to say, uh, I was making a video about Uruguay this morning. I didn't get to watch much of the game, uh, so I didn't notice their shape. Is that inaccurate? I imagine it is, Alex. Yes, I, I mean they they don't play in a four four two, and they haven't all tournament. Well, take it take it up with the guys at Google. Well, I, to be fair, Google have made a number of significant errors mm. in in this whatever API they're using. They've been spelling Benton wrong. For one thing, because yeah. you had to go at me because you thought I was getting it I wrong. I thought Google was right. They're always right. Yeah, they're not here, and and they've had <clears throat> they've had positional. Uh, inaccuracies as well, where players have have been listed playing in one position when they're actually somewhere else. Mm. So yeah, Brazil Brazil have stuck possibly more than any other side really with a particular system to start games. Um, Brazil have stuck to this four three three, and the the changes that they've used have all been in game changes. So bringing on uh, Firmino. To Firmino to add uh, attacking thrust from a sort of 8-10 position, putting Douglas Costa out on the right-hand side instead of Willian because he's got a bit more pace and can stretch defences a bit more. But, but they game Fernandinho as well. Uh, yeah, well, Fernandinho is the kind of, the you know, an additional um, solidifier. Once they're ahead. Once they're ahead. Um, and some teams in this competition, once they're ahead, have kind of gone to a a back five, uh, a, a five-four-one kind of system. Brazil just sort of stodge up the midfield a little bit, mm -hmm. um, and uh, they don't they don't really take their foot off the gas. But that's because they're not. I mean, I still don't think Brazil are are anywhere near as good as they could be at this point. Mm. Um, I think some of that is because of the personnel issues that they've had at fullback. Um, you know. 
Wagner and Felipe Luiz. Particularly, Felipe Luiz is a good player, absolutely, but his club system doesn't encourage him to get forward quite so much because uh, Atletico Madrid tend to have a winger ahead of him anyway. Um, Wagner just isn't as good as Dani Alves, mm. and so they are they are lacking that thrust from fullback and that additional width. But yeah, I mean Brazil are going to get better and better. I I just I'm very much looking forward to them going out in the semi-finals. Right, because they will be playing France or Uruguay. France or Uruguay. So there's it's either that's, that's if they can make it past possibly Belgium in the next round. Yeah, I think they'll have I think they'll have too much for whoever comes through that tie. Um but there's a couple there's there's some nice narrative around you know Brazil Uruguay obviously there's a kind of historic rivalry there it's 1950 all over again um and you know it what would be great is to see um the Uruguayan backline kicking lumps out of Neymar right. <laughs> or it's uh Kylian Mbappe sure kind of claiming past the, taming the the, the the claiming the crown off Neymar sure. and sure and all that stuff more Game of Thrones the more young Game. Rob Stark yeah wait that's not a good one is it we don't want I know he let's shh. okay okay well uh, I suppose we can chat about uh, Brazil versus whoever comes out of Belgium Japan later on we can do that after the next game uh, Philippe isn't here today but he has left his little notepad so I'm going to look through it now to see what our predictions were. For this game, but you know perfectly well. Hold, the point. hold on one second. Um, oh, I think this is the wrong page. Dear diary, <laughs> I can't keep it to myself anymore. <laughs> I just have so much admiration for Joe and Alex, but I don't want to tell them because I don't want to be embarrassed in front of them. I think I shouldn't be reading this. This is Phil's personal diary. Oh, here it is. Oh, here they are. The scores. Okay, uh, <laughs> Brazil, Mexico. Uh, Joe, I said one nil. Phil said three one. Alex, you said two one to Mexico. It's a shame Phil isn't here because we could have an argument about this. He said 3-1, I said 1-0. I'm going to claim the victory because I think I'm much closer. It was 2-0. One of the goals was sort of throwaway right at the end there. Yeah. There was no goal for Mexico. It didn't look like they really had any chance of scoring either. I'll give you Phil that. Phil thought Brazil would do much better than they did. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Fair. Okay, well that will be a point for me. I don't know where his tallying system is, but um, we'll have to... Get him to make those notes. Dear diary, I don't keep my notes well. Yes, that's true, Phil. Okay. Well, we'll be back in a little bit then to talk about the outcome of the Belgium-Japan game. Before we go, though, we should probably make our predictions. Philippe did text me his prediction this morning from the comfort of his own home. Uh, and I'm going to find that for us now. But while I do, Alex, would you mind telling me what your prediction is? 3-1... Japan. Japan. <laughs> <laughs> I've just given up at this point. Are you going 3-1 Japan? Fuck if it. you're going for Japan, I wouldn't go 3-1. Let's be, let's be clear. You can be crazy, but I would be more conservatively crazy than you've been because they're not going to win 3-1. But they might win 1-0. No. 3-1? Yes. 3-1 Japan. Fuck it. Okay. I don't uh, care anymore. Philippe Fenner <laughs> is going for 2-1 Belgium. Yeah. I'm going to go for 3-0 Belgium. Okay. Okay. So uh, I'll write those scores down in Phil's little little diary. Dear diary, I love my mother so very much. That uh, does mean that if Belgium, hang on, you've gone three nil. So what happens if it's if it's like one nil Belgium? Well, then Phil will probably win. Why? Because he was closer to that. Because he he said two one. 
Oh, he said two one. Yeah. Okay. What did you think he said? Three one. No, I said three. I said three nil. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Well, yeah. We'll be back in a bit. Right. Well, that was um, that was a good game. Belgium, Japan, Belgium stealing it there in the last minute. Perhaps stealing it is the wrong term. It was quite an even game, actually. Nasser Chadley scoring right at the death there, the last play uh, before the final whistle. And you have to say, Alex, that that last goal, before we talk about the teams, that last goal, as an example of a, of a counter-attack, a, a breakaway from what was a Japanese corner, they did everything right, didn't they? I mean, they uh, even down to... Maybe most impressively, Lukaku hearing a shout from behind and leaving it in the 93rd minute of a game. How many of you, you know, world-class strikers uh, who are hungry for goals are going to do that at that stage in the game? And it proved to be the right decision. Yeah, it, it was a great game. It, it's hard to say that Japan did much wrong. Yeah. Um, in terms of, yes, okay, maybe that final breakaway goal, they shouldn't have committed quite so many people forward. Take better corners. Yeah, well, yeah, but corners were never really going to be an advantage for Japan. No, because... but don't make it a disadvantage. You know, there was one just before they hit first yeah. man. That one, they played it straight into the keeper. You know, Courtois was the was the first pass out for the counter-attack. And, and they, they talked about this in the BBC Punditry as well. Brilliant awareness from Courtois to think... Actually, it's on here. Mm. Let's let's release a counter attack and yeah. a, a driving De Bruyne run. Um, it it's so hard on Japan. Mm. I'm really quite sad. I mean, it, we've looked at both of these teams for videos, and both teams did what we said they do. Um, Belgium's weaknesses were as described. You know, Japan had a lot of joy, particularly in in Yui, on their left hand side, in behind Mounier. Um, but also uh, they were getting a lot on the on the right hand side as well. Actually, the, the first goal, the Haraguchi goal, came from exactly from Carrasco being way too far forward. Yeah, Vertonghen not being in the right place as not well. Get, arguably. I mean, Vertonghen gets Vertonghen's kind of uh, and and also Adavira on the other side. They're they're sort of they're always stranded yeah. because if they keep uh, a narrow defensive line of three, yeah. then. They can't really trust that the wing-backs, particularly Vertonghen's wing-back, are going to get back. But if they go out wide to cover over, then they obviously leave a gap that uh, leaves either well Boyata in the first couple of games or company in this one vulnerable. Yeah. So it, it does make it really hard for them. Um, yeah, in fact, it's worth mentioning as well, one of the other things that you pointed out in the Belgian video was that Kevin De Bruyne, perhaps not so happy not so comfortable in that deeper defensive midfielder-type role. Uh, for Japan's second goal, the Inouye goal, uh, De Bruyne, I think, was dispossessed in you know just at the beginning of the final third. And obviously it's, it's later on in the second now. Well, actually, it's only the 52nd second minute looking at the scoreline now. Only the 52nd minute. Uh, he's dispossessed. He doesn't chase back. Mm. He wanders around up near the strikers. And then the goal... Uh, well, the shot for the goal it was a wonderful goal, uh, you know, amazing long range strike. But you could make the argument that that was taken in the precise area that De Bruyne should have been pushing out from the 18 yard box uh, to close that down because Axel Witzel was kind of left trying to mark two players at once. Well, that's that's the issue that Belgium have in that uh, Martinez is trying to accommodate 
three really good attacking players in effectively two spots. And when you've got Mertens, who's able to, to push out on either side, Hazard does the same. Hazard, you're not going to drop because he's brilliant. De Bruyne, you're not going to drop because he's brilliant. And Mertens adds something else. And Fellaini's got to come on at some point. <laughs> and Fellaini's got to come on at some point. So it does make it hard to work out what the balance is there. The issue that they've got is, as well, that the wing-backs are... Mounier on the right is more defensively minded, which I, I guess is why he's kind of on De Bruyne's side. Carrasco is not at all. Mm. Um, but Mounier is then himself caught thinking, OK, well, do I cut inside and cover De Bruyne's error and possibly leave a guy way out on his right-hand side? Or does he stay on the right-hand side, try and drop back and cover that space in where we've talked about before, the, the gap that can open up on the right-hand side of that centre-back and then leave De Bruyne on his own in the middle? Mm. So it it's not... It's not a great balance to to the midfield of that team. I mean, they, they kind of compensate for it most of the time because De Bruyne is very athletic. Uh, he is able to, to track back quite a lot, um, but it's not his natural thing. It's like Rakitic and Modric. You know, these are world-class creative midfielders mm. with a great range of passing and ability to carry the ball forwards, but they're not there for tackling. Is it? Is it... Unfair then to look at it in, you know, because my natural reaction to, let's say, De Bruyne losing the ball 52 minutes just after the halftime break and not running back when Japan counter-attack is lazy or shows a lack of, uh, maybe not desire, but uh, desire to fulfil duty, let's say. And then in the 93rd minute is capable of running 70 yards at full pace up the pitch when there's an opportunity to score a goal. That because you know those two things, if it were if it were an issue of energy, those two things should be uh, opposing ends of uh, of the uh, opposite ends of the half. Yeah, I can't I can't remember exactly what happened before De Bruyne got dispossessed. Whether he'd just made a long run forwards, which could account for it. It's a bit. It was. I think it was a sort of middling run. Yeah, uh, and then a, and then a pass. No, I, I think De Bruyne has expressed dissatisfaction with his deployment in that position. I think mm. that's quite well known. I, I'm i not going to say that he's the sort of player who's therefore going to have a huff and not bother to do his job. He didn't even look around. <laughs> he, honestly, I'm not trying to have a go at De Bruyne, but his head dropped, his ha- his hands went on his side, yeah. you know, like hands on hips, and he didn't even turn around when he lost the ball. He just sort of wandered off. I mean, I think Belgium perhaps were guilty of some complacency at the beginning of this game. I mean, I got laughed at when I said Japan would win. And although... You laughed at yourself. No, I laughed well. at myself to a degree. But it's, it's one of those games where... Uh, look, I, predictions I'm clearly not very good at. But I, I think the thing... When, when you do tactical analysis of teams, you can see how things might happen. Yeah. That doesn't mean they're going to. Yeah. But every team has strengths and weaknesses. And what was really interesting about this game was that Belgium's strengths were there to be seen, as were Japan's weaknesses, but also vice versa. Mm. That's what made for such an entertaining matchup, and that's why it took, you know, arguably a moment of brilliance. And I think actually in that move, 
the the two best elements of that final Belgium goal were Courtois and Lukaku. Yeah. Because Courtois thought, let's go for it. And as you said, Lukaku left it when his natural instinct would have been to try and get some contact on there. So, mm. um, you know, it was it was a very high-class game. But it was it was that because what Japan are naturally good at doing, Belgium are naturally bad at dealing with yeah. and vice versa. So, Well, let, let's talk about the game now, uh, the quarter-final that this uh, result has, has given us, which will be... Belgium Brazil, right? And just thinking about from Belgium's perspective, those two specific weaknesses that you've highlighted there. The wing backs, less so Thomas Mounier, but certainly Carrasco on the left, not defensively minded, often out of position. We've seen it a couple of times, we saw it today, it resulted in a goal, which leaves those wide centre backs a bit stranded. And also Kevin De Bruyne, perhaps not as happy or certainly not natural, playing in his natural position. De Bruyne is going to be marked by Casemiro, you would have thought, and will also have defensive responsibilities to watch Philippe Coutinho when Witzel's dragged out elsewhere. Carrasco and Mounier are going to have Neymar and Willian to watch. I mean, is this the worst team that Belgium could have come up against? It, it probably in some regards is. Flip it on its head, Carrasco will be going at... at Fagner, who's not the best right-back in the world. And who's also got Hazard to watch. And who's also got Hazard to watch. Whether Marcello is fit or not will be massive, because Mm. if he's not, again, Mounier and Mertens can combine on that right-hand side to some effect. No central defensive partnership is going to want to deal with Lukaku, Mm -hmm. um, because he's an exceptional striker. If I... Were you Roberto play Martinez? I wouldn't play Fellaini. You I, wouldn't play Fellaini over Casemiro. Uh, I would play Dembele and Wetzel together. Right. And I, I would probably drop Mertens. Right. Push De Bruyne up. Then you're asking Casemiro to deal with De Bruyne and Hazard together. But also crucially, Brazil build from the back, and they build from the centre-backs, through Casemiro and out a lot of the time. If you've got Casemiro worried about De Bruyne and Hazard, both of whom are also used to pressing in that position against passing lanes that centre-backs use. And you've got Dembele pushing up. And you've got Dembele who can carry the ball, but will also not piss about in central midfield. You know, he's he's a good tackler, he's, he's a physical presence alongside... Mm. Bitzel, then I think in that instance you might mitigate some of the weakness um, I, the, the issue that, that Belgium have in terms of their wing backs is they just don't really have anybody else that can play in that position so that's why he went to wing backs in the first instance because Mounier is the only good quality full back that he's got at all. Belgian kids need to let alone start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're if you're a good footballer in Belgium, yeah. learn to be a left back. Yeah. I think on the flip side, no team, like I said, will want to face Lukaku, Hazard, and De Bruyne. Yeah. You know, they are three really, really talented players that have demonstrated in the Premier League that they're you know capable of of troubling the best defenses around. So, mm-hmm. I think. Brazil, like we said, have not really got out of 
and maybe third gear now. Yeah. They, Brazil are not flying by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Belgium will take a big boost from the way they've come back in this game. They'll look back at it and go, actually, Japan were really good mm. and, and we've done well to beat them. And, and I, I don't think they'll look at that and go, you know, ooh, we've scraped past a team that are much no. lower ranked than we are. I think they'll look at it and go, I think everyone underestimated Japan and actually we played well to get that result. Mm-hmm. So that could be something Brazil haven't really been tested yet. No. So in that regard, you know, aside from Switzerland, and they got a draw there. So Brazil have not needed to be stretched yet and sometimes getting into the latter stages of a competition you you want to have found it difficult a few times because that's when that kind of collective spirit and mm. understanding what your weaknesses are the coach can look at it and go okay well we need to tweak that because that's not worked this was exposed by a really good player so we need to shore that up or, or whatever it is and, and Brazil haven't really had to do that except for struggling to break down Costa Rica when mm. Chicha made some intelligent tactical changes to open that game up. He's not really had to force the issue at all. No. Okay, well, as I'm sure everyone knows, one side of the draw is quite heavily stacked <laughs> with good teams. The other, I mean, they're all good teams. Hey, they're all good teams. Uh, but, of course, for semi-finals on the side we're currently discussing, uh, the game will be between one of the following four teams, France, Uruguay, Belgium, Brazil, any of whom you could imagine making it to the final this year. Yeah. The other hand, uh, one of the quarterfinals we know is going to be Croatia, Russia, uh, and the other will be one of England, Colombia, Switzerland or Sweden. Uh, So arguably a more open route to the final. Presumably this bodes well for England? Yes, England will find Colombia tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and Switzerland, if they make it past Sweden. And Switzerland, if they make it past Sweden, are, you know, they're much, well, they're, they're about twice as high ranked as England, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and, well, I think they're, they're sixth in England or twelfth, something like that. Um, they will not be easy by any stretch of the imagination. There will be, I suppose, England have a slight advantage in that really. Switzerland's two danger men both play in the Premier League, mm. so they they're not going to be unknown quantities at all. You know, England will be quite used to dealing with both of those players. Saying that, calling that for Switzerland is already stupid in the context of this World Cup, isn't it? Because you never know. Sweden could win six 0 or something. Yeah, this absolutely. tournament is ridiculous. Yeah, no, it is. We were saying before it's that this, the this must be the best tournament in our lifetimes. Yeah, nothing comes close to it. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like it's like the opening match of two thousand and two. <laughs> But every other game. <clears throat> what was that? Senegal beating France 1 0. Right, yeah. And yeah, it's nuts, isn't and it? And stuff like that is Lots just. Lots of goals, weird results. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not, yeah. Not, not weird results where you look at it and go, that's a fluke. I don't understand how they've done that. Mm. You know, these are teams who are maybe not that fancied, but are really well coached. Bigger teams, not getting it right yeah. you know the, these these upsets are are upsets in the context of the kind of wider set of expectations but a lot of them are not upsets when you've actually sat and watched the game no it's, yeah not based on the performances yeah yeah okay uh, well that will do for that let's go to the uh, predictions we made pre-game now we think we're in agreement Alex that we're going to give this one to Phil Phil said 2-1 I said 3-0 Belgium 
but I feel like Phil's result, or Phil's prediction, has Japan playing more of a role within the game. Uh, I think that's fair. Slightly closer on the scoring, so that will be another one for Phil. I think what that means is that Phil is on eight, I'm on four, and you're on three. Mm. Yes. Okay. Um, and also, I found another um, another entry here in Phil's in Phil's diary. Dear diary, I spoke to my therapist in deep detail about the problems I've been experiencing with my mother in recent years. <laughs> Father was very supportive, also. Well, hopefully that solves itself, Phil, and we'll look forward to having you back again tomorrow with whatever Freudian problems you might be experiencing at the current time. We should also make a prediction for tomorrow morning's game. Uh, one, I don't actually have one from Phil, so hopefully we can get that before the game starts tomorrow. But it is Sweden-Switzerland, I believe. Yeah. So, what are you going to say? Because I'm saying 1-0 Sweden. Oh, okay. I'm going to go for 2-1 Switzerland. I think that's a very safe bet. And listeners, we will ensure that we get Philippe's... Pre- I'll tell you what, I'll just call him. Call him now. Well, I'll call him now. You fill for time. Okay. Um, and I'll get him on loudspeaker. What, what, how can I, I'm... You're a professional podcaster, Alex. Work it out for yourself. I'm in no way professional at all. Not well, without the extent of silence, <laughs> is not it? Yeah. I, I've, I don't really know what to say. Um, wasn't Shibazaki good today for, wasn't for Japan? He'll... It's better than me trying to... Please leave a message after the telling. Hello, Philippe. Uh, this is your lovely colleagues, Alex and Joe, here. We were calling uh, to get you on loudspeaker to see if you could give us a prediction for Switzerland-Sweden tomorrow morning. But never mind, uh, we'll get it in the morning before the game starts. See you tomorrow. Oh, and by the way, we won't mention anything about the weird uh, Dear Diary entries in, in your in your moleskin that you left here. Uh, thanks, mate. Hope the foot thing clears up. Bye. Right, right. Well, that will be that for now. And uh, tomorrow, that will be more of this. So, uh, see you later.